You're listening to In the Thick of It, a podcast from the HCM Society, where we interview experts in the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy field to broaden the awareness of new HCM studies and advancements. On today's episode, we catch up with cardiologist Dr. Robin Bride at the Care of the Athletic Heart Conference, recorded live at the Heart House in Washington, D.C. She is joined by Dr. Matthew Martinez, the Director of Sports Cardiology and Hypertrophic Cardiomyopathy at the Morristown Medical Center in New Jersey. Dr. Martinez and Dr. Bride continue the conversation on the effects of vigorous exercise in patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. For full disclosure, Dr. Martinez is affiliated with MLS, the National Basketball Players Association, Cytokinetics, and Bristol-Myers Squibb. Let's get in the thick of it. Here's Dr. Bride. Well, it's been a very exciting year for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, not just on the pharmacologic forefront, but also at ACC this year, there were many studies presented on hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, so it's certainly going to be an exciting time for you. Yeah. Um, but I, in our first podcast for the HCM Society, we interviewed Rachel Lampert on her live HCM study and um, certainly was wonderful to get the data out there on athletes with HCM who participated in vigorous exercise. But today we'd like to talk to you about your late breaker on athletes with genetic heart disease. If you can briefly tell us who did the study with you and a little bit about this study. Sure. So, you know, there's never been a better time to be an HCM provider, to be an HCM patient, and to try and dig into this disease that we've spent a lot of time trying to learn more about. And we've seen quite a growth, as you say, in the last couple of years in terms of treatment and understanding. And part of that was living HCM, where we learned, I think, a lot more about exercise recommendations in an older group. And we wanted to then look into how we handle the younger group trying to participate in elite level sports. Previously, this was a group that was almost uniformly disqualified. Mm -hmm. So the idea out of an abundance of caution was because of the potential, the thought that with exercise, there would be an increased risk of sudden death related to HCM. And as a result of that, we didn't really have a great way to study this until there was a shift in how we approached athletes in total, and certainly athletes with genetic heart disease, in this case, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, where we started to really employ shared decision-making in those discussions with athletes. And it comes from the athletes' needs, I think the institution's needs, and a better understanding of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And through a lot of work, through a lot of people, we now better understand what risk factors look like. We're able to better risk stratify individuals with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And we've got a little better understanding with longitudinal follow-up about who we should evaluate and how to do it. But mostly, including the athlete's voice in that discussion. We know that HCM is a risk. We haven't changed that. Mm -hmm. We know that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy carries a risk for sudden death. But what we've never been able to clearly delineate is does exercise make it worse? Mm -hmm. And so far, much of the data suggests it probably doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so the first historical perspective of exercise in patients with HCM is that they've largely been told to restrict exercise. And, you know, we've heard at the conference this weekend that these patients have been told they can't walk up a flight of stairs. 
Um, but can you elaborate a little bit more on the negative consequences of telling these athletes that A, they can't participate in the sport that they love, or maybe the master's athlete who's told, hey, you can't go participate in your marathons, which they thought they were doing something good for themselves. So we spend an awful lot of time arguing over that younger athlete group, that 19 to 20, to the, the 16 year old with, with HCM and their exercise, but it's bigger than that. And looking into that 30, 40, 50 year old and recognizing that the restrictions have some consequences, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. There are consequences in terms of mental health. There are consequences in terms of obesity and not meeting the recommended guidelines for exercise with regards to reducing cardiovascular risk factors. So what's happened is that patients with HCM have led the majority of the time a sedentary lifestyle, and they've then have all the other complications of cardiovascular disease, including obesity mm -hmm. and lack of movement, all increase their risk of complications long-term in addition to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So all those other risk factors have gotten worse, and we've seen that, and it, it's reflected poorly in this group. Right, right. Well, getting back to your study a little bit, so 76 athletes were enrolled, and these were elite athletes. Yeah. So what defined elite athlete in this population? Really good question. So we define the 76 athletes as either professional athletes participating in a professional sport in the United States, some overseas, or Olympic athletes for an NCAA Division One athlete. So there's other day on Division Two and Division Three. We wanted to focus on what we considered that elite level Division one and uh, professional Olympic level. Okay, perfect. And then elaborate a little bit more on the intervention. So it was this shared decision-making process. So four centers, um, Atrium Health in North Carolina, Harvard, uh, our center, Morristown Medical Center and the, the Mayo Clinic, those four sites were the enrolling sites. And we included all athletes that were seen there and underwent shared decision-making as in regards to whether or not they could return to play or not. And that, of course, was an expert review from one of those four centers. They went through complete testing based on their disease and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, certainly that complete risk profile of risk, risk assessment with imaging and stressing mm -hmm. and monitoring. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, a shared decision-making conversation with all of the stakeholders about an exercise plan. And then part of that exercise plan was to decide whether or not their risk of participating in elite level increase that risk of complications. And that's the intervention, as you say. And then followed for these breakthrough cardiac events. So we followed them to see what would happen, right? right. They were being intervened on with medical therapy or an ICD in, in a number of the cases. Of course, these were medically necessary ICDs. Mm -hmm. These were not ICDs that were placed in order to allow them to participate in sport. But as the disease guideline dictated a need for an ICD, mm -hmm. symptoms are one of those risk factors that we know, mm -hmm. increased risk in HCM, an ICD was placed, and then we would follow them. Mm -hmm. And then if there were breakthrough events, which there were only three, so of the 76, three had cardiac events, there were no deaths associated with uh, the entire cohort, one had an exercise-related uh, event, and two had... Um, non-exercise or non-exertional cardiac events. Going back to the discussion we started with, which was we know that HCM is a risk factor mm -hmm. for having cardiac events, but does exercise increase that risk or not? We know some of the data now is suggesting that much more of the events occur outside of exercise. So 
this study tried to kind of tease apart what happened in this group and they played the old level. Right. Well, in these breakthrough cardiac events, what's going to happen in this patient population? Agreed. And it doesn't mean that they need to be placed on the bench again forever. So what do you do when yeah. this happens? It's a great question. So it's not a once and done, right? It's really important and of those that, that had the event and you reassess. You're going to, you're going to reassess the athlete. You're going to then make sure that you have no other progression of some risk factor that may have changed your recommendations with regards to ICD. And you're going to medically treat them and then redevelop an exercise plan based on that. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to, again, have that shared decision-making because an event, whether it's cardiac or not, can change the mind of the athlete. Right. And then we have that discussion all over again. And, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a once and done. It's a timely process and it involves multiple stakeholders. And then you have to ask yourself, am I the right person mm -hmm. to be delivering this discussion? And I think that's really important. Do you have the expertise? Are you um, uh, appropriately knowledgeable to relay the risks and benefits of this? Right. And then if not, how can you engage other stakeholders to try and help guide decisions for athletes wishing to participate in sport despite having a genetic heart disease? Well, it will certainly, an event will certainly change the mindset of the athlete, but of Agreed. course the clinician too, who maybe really isn't comfortable with Agreed. what's going on here. They don't want that second event to occur. So. So that's why the, the guidelines perhaps are, are encouraging this expert consultation. And then just a minute about, you know, what do you, what would you recommend for a provider who really wants more experience and knowledge in treating this patient population? So uh, much like the treatment options, there are opportunities to learn more about HCM and athletes in total. And then of course, those two combined. Mm -hmm. So there's the HCM Society, which uh, has its annual meeting coming up in October. There is the Care of the Athletic Heart, and this event has, and there are others internationally and regularly in the United States to help educate those who are wanting to participate. And it can take time. So you're going to dive into the field, and you're going to learn more about HCM, you're going to learn about how we're going to restratify that group, and then slowly but surely increase your comfort level with, with evaluating and managing HCM patients. And then I would absolutely encourage you that centers of excellence should be included in that. So if you look at the guidelines from 2020, they, they talk about different levels of HCM centers. It's not a center or not. You might be a, a clinician who says, I'm going to refer only. You might say, I'm going to participate in some of the care of the HCM uh, patient. Or you might be a center of excellence where you say, we can handle comprehensively all of these discussions, including pregnancy, genetic, genetic markers, and, and, and athlete recommendations. And then you got to decide where you are on that on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there are also opportunities for fellowships. So there are sports cardiology fellowships in in uh, Boston at, at uh, Harvard. There is our center, which of course you know well, who has uh, an HCM and sports cardiology fellowship combined, which you'll be starting here in a couple of weeks. We're excited to have you. Very excited. Uh, we have an outgoing fellow now, and there are opportunities to really dig into this, whether it's. In a meeting, mm -hmm. we're doing some short fellowships, spending time. I have fellows that can spend time with me once a week now mm -hmm. just to gain a little more experience, but it really takes time and digging into this field. So it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I think the main takeaway, of course, we'll take from this study is the importance of shared decision making and to really seek out that provider who's truly comfortable and understands 
hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, but also the sporting demands for whatever the athlete's choosing to do and trying to obtain clearance for. So I really appreciate your time. And any last-minute takeaways you'd like to add? Yeah, so I think what the list study showed us was that absolute disqualification across the board is not appropriate for HCM. And I think this study furthers that. So I think if you're seeing HCM patients or you're an HCM patient yourself, this is a reminder that exercise is appropriate, important, but you have to seek expert review in order to make sure that we can develop an exercise plan that fits your needs and what the, the disease spectrum you have. It's no longer yes or no. It's part of the spectrum of the disease. Really exciting times going forward. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Martinez. was Dr. Robin Bride and Dr. Matthew Martinez. For more information on this study, please click the slides in the show notes or visit hcmsociety.org podcast. This episode was edited and produced by EarFluence. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you soon on In the Thick of It.